You're listening to On Development, a podcast of the Millennium Challenge Corporation, or MCC. MCC is an independent United States government international development agency whose mission is reducing poverty through economic growth. In part two of this episode, MCC's Vice President of Congressional and Public Affairs, Aisha House, continues her discussion on the economics of inclusion and gender with Malika Lasri, Director General of the Millennium Challenge Account in Morocco, and Omar Jop, CEO of the Millennium Challenge Account in Senegal. At the end of the day, we need to make sure that that strategy is trickling down to all the compact components. And for me, that's really important. Uh, again, uh, if I have to give an advice to, to other leaders that are being involved on compact, on even beyond compact, for me, you you need, as Mahatma Gandhi used to say, need to be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, if you really believe that uh, there is a big change that may happen here, you have to push for it. You have to be the champion. You need to be the gender and inclusion champion you aspire. Wow, so had a lot of content from uh, part one, so we absolutely had to do a part two. So welcome to part two of on development and talking about inclusion and gender. Thank you. So only when men and women have equal opportunities to earn su- sustainable livelihoods and contribute to their national economies can countries maximize their potential for inclusive growth. Um, be it social or economic. In all sectors addressed by the Morocco Compact, MCC and MCA investments are made considering the main obstacles that limit both the economic opportunities available to women and their abilities to contribute to and benefit from economic growth. MCC and MCA also advocate a social inclusion approach that requires analysis of the main social factors that marginalize and limit the participation of certain populations in economic life. In the case, in our case, this includes young people and people with physical disabilities. So Morocco faces several, several challenges to achieve truly inclusive growth. To date, the participation rate of women in the labor market in Morocco remains very, very low, having been at 19.9% in 2021 only. While when we analyze the data of the students that come out and graduate from high school, 55 to 60% of them are girls. And then even um, analyzing the ones in higher education, there are more women graduating from universities than men by far. It's like 27% versus 14%. And with that, when we go to the workforce, there is only less than actually 19%, less than 20% that um, integrate the workforce. For young people, we have the unemployment rate uh, that's very, very challenging. So only 27% of the population under the age of 35 is employed. The rest is not. So when women's land rights are protected, for example, they are more likely to make investments that boost their household income, improve their land's productivity, get a credit, um, uh, and it stimulates economic growth. 
These links between land rights, income generation, and economic growth are the reasons that MCA Morocco and MCC have prioritized investments in women's land rights in Morocco employability and land compact. So this stemmed from the constraint analysis um, back in 2014, 2015, that showed that human capital is the one big um, uh, component that was endangering actually the growth uh, of economic and I mean economic growth of Morocco, and it was it had to be taken care of through the uh, the compact. From one side, we have preparing the workforce. From the other side, is preparing through land opportunities uh, for job and investments. Thank you. So, um, Malika, thank you for giving a really great kind of snapshot of what all MCA Morocco is doing to advance, um, you know, not just inclusion and gender, but really tackle the economic constraints that are um, occurring in the country. Um, and it's, it is jaw dropping to have that many um, successful women and girls coming out of school and college in, in particular, and then um, the drop off with them not going into the workforce. So um, I can only imagine how you tackle that challenge. Um, um, for you, Umar, can you talk a little bit about what the Access Project is and what all is happening for the Senegal um, Compact itself? Like, what are, you, what are you all tackling as far as your kind of constraint to growth? Great, great, Aisha. Thank you for that question because it would allow me to provide more information on the, the compact that right now we are implementing in Senegal. Uh, just to say that we are on our second compact. The first compact was concluded successfully and Senegal was declared eligible for a second time uh, back in 2016. And so MCC teams and uh, the government of Senegal teams work together, identify binding constraints and uh, following that, uh, exercise that uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, were over were done over two years uh, we finally agree that uh, we're going to work on a power compact and uh, basically again uh, uh, the final objective is that how you're going to bring economic growth and to reduce I mean uh, 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 the poverty in the country so in uh, December 2028 the compact uh, uh, was uh, was signed uh, negotiations were done and signed and since then we have started implementing uh, this compact so we have three main projects the first one is a transmission project the second one is the reform project and the third one is the access project the the transmission project basically aims to reinforce and modernize the the transmission network in Senegal because the overall idea is that the cost of electricity is quite high in Senegal and with that level of cost of electricity and the issue we are facing in terms of quality and in terms of uh, I mean uh, cost of energy this is not really supporting our private sector development but also this is also a big issue uh, in terms of uh, poverty in the country so that is the project number one project number two is about the institutional reform because uh, as you you know i mean mcc objective also is to make sure whatever investment 
uh, is being done on the ground, we make sure that there is sustainability on that investment. So uh, infrastructure, yes, but with the institutional reform. And for the reform, basically, uh, what we're trying to address is, number one, to make sure that we have really a conducive and a sustainable environment. And when I say sustainable environment, it's about financial sustainability of the sec uh, electricity sector. At the same time, also, we are working on the governance of the sector because, uh, yeah, we need to have more transparency. Yeah, we have to, to have uh, planning uh, tools, uh, like, for example, the, the integrated uh, planning tool for the, for the sector. So there are many stuff that is being developed and uh, implemented within the reform project. Last but not least is the uh, access project. The access project's primary objective is basically to make sure that uh, we have access to electricity on the rural and the, uh, the semi-urban area. Because what we come to realize after the review of the constraint is that the south part of Senegal, uh, we have five or six big regions where the poverty level is quite high, and what also women and the youth that are living in those regions are really impacted by the poverty and are feeling like, uh, I mean, they are not part of the story. So that way, MCC is heavily investing the 600 million US dollar compact. And uh, uh, basically, what are we doing with that access project is number one, to make sure that the, the distribution network is there, that people, people have access to electricity. But something for the access project is quite fantastic because the access project has been structured in a such in innovative way that we're not there only for infrastructure, but we make sure that also the population that are mostly affected are going really to enjoy whatever investment is going to be done on the ground. And number one is that we have an activity that basically is supporting the connection, easing the connection, making sure that the national utility company, Senelec, is going to connect the uh, 12,700 household we are targeting. Number two is also, it's not only bringing the electricity there, we have to make sure that the population are going to, uh, for an elect, uh, let's say, uh, I mean, a productive use of that energy. So we have another activity that are being developed and being implemented right now. And uh, it's a program, an education program, to make sure that when the electricity is on the ground, productive use will be a reality. And uh, uh, last but, uh, but, but not least, uh, we are also making sure that the population are going to have the right equipment. Because something is to have the network. Another thing is uh, to know how to go for electricity use. But if you want to make sure that, I mean, uh, we've uh, completed the, the, the process, we need also to make sure that population have access to the equipment. So the third activity of the access project is now supporting the population, going with them, making sure that they're going to get uh, to, to find the much needed funding and to get the right equipment to develop now, I mean, the revenue-generated uh, activity and ultimately bring the cost of electricity, the cost of living, and also bring the poverty rate down. So question for both of you. How do you make youth a full part of both um, the, sol the problem you are trying to solve for and the solution that we hope to get? So how do you make youth fully integrated into what you all are both doing in your respective countries? So in, um, in Morocco context, um, 
since inception, since the design actually of the uh, of the compact, compact two, uh, it was built on you know how to get the young people graduate with the right skills that allow them to get the right job because the mismatch is one of the reasons why uh, I mentioned the high level, the high uh, rate of unemployment is that mismatch. We have a lot of the country's policy allowed a lot of international companies to establish themselves in Morocco. And because there is a very big pool of young people that can work. But what happens is that these kids do not have the right skills to get into some of the industries and we have investors in aeronautics in automotive industry in tourism in logistics transportation um, technology but um, that mismatch uh, allowed us in the compact to have uh, a huge budget 111 million dollars invested in the quality of education another 100 million invested in TVET centers that tackle both uh, the governance of these centers in terms of uh, creating a PPP, a public-private sector partnership, so that the private sector, the professional associations of automotive makers, of aeronautic makers, be at the board of these centers and actually make the decision about the content and the curriculum that they want the students to learn so that after two years graduation, they actually get strictly directly a job. So that is what we uh, are, uh, what we have worked for. And we worked with uh, a lot of people on the ground in the schools, ministry uh, of uh, TVET uh, in, in terms of uh, need assessments. And especially we also work with the agencies that do, we call it in French, intermediation, and so like they work between the employers and potential talents, and they match them together. Um, and we used a, a really new model that's really great and that the government picked up to scale. It's the RBF, Result-Based Financing. Um, Instiglio helped us actually build a good model that fits the specifics of the country. And uh, we work with eight organizations that we strengthen their capacities. They have uh, put together all the tools to facilitate that transition of the students through a small uh, training to actually being workable, if I may create the name, and access a job and be retained because it is easy to get a job uh, if, if we'd like to, but to stay for over six months and get a social security number, that's not something that's easy. You really have to prove that you're, um, you're a good uh, employee. So um, the compact worked on that to actually alleviate some of the burden of the uh, unemployment, youth employment. Uh, in addition, of course, in promoting investment in, uh, uh, in agriculture. So giving grants to giving grants to young people, young agriculture, because what happened is that when uh, young people grow, they just come to uh, they just come to the city looking for a job. So the other component that we used is to actually tackle uh, policies for youth and youth employment and um, invested a lot in uh, 
putting in place a huge platform for the observatory of labor so that they be able to collect data using big data and uh, artificial intelligence and providing information and insight for policymakers to actually adjust what needs to be done in terms of training, education, and um, uh, investment to uh, make sure that the match is actually there. And what about for you, Omar? How do you all integrate youth into your programming, both uh, challenge, challenge set as well as solution? Well, thank you very much, Aisha. I mean, uh, youth uh, challenges on, on, on uh, uh, in terms of employment, I think that is, is a reality uh, uh, everywhere in the world. Uh, if, if you take the specific case of Senegal, uh, I, I must say that uh, government of Senegal have an overarching strategy to address, I mean, uh, uh, youth in employment. Uh, but for the compact specifically, uh, we have our uh, very, I mean, uh, uh, strong and robust uh, strategy that we have put in place to make sure also, I mean, uh, as part the undeserved part of the community also, youth will find definitely their place into that compact. I'll probably just start by giving some, some, some figure. Uh, Today in Senegal, uh, the, the, the issue of employment uh, regarding the youth remain high, uh, and the youth represent no less than 60% of the population. And uh, uh, based on the last figures we got from the International Labour Organization, uh, the, the level of employment in, in, in Senegal uh, is uh, estimated at 16.9% uh, for the last quarter of 2019. And, uh, there is a higher uh, rate of unemployment in the rural area and than in the urban area. And uh, uh, for the compact today, uh, our flagship program, and I'll probably talk a bit more on that flagship program, we've developed a flagship program with the Ministry of Petrol and the Energy. And basically, that program is oriented toward young women. So we're trying to see what the compact can do so that we can get more young women into the most dominated energy sector in, 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 in Senegal. Uh, another point also that can, uh, I can mention uh, uh, here is that uh, uh, the way we are contracting now, uh, we've, we've changed it. Because basically what we are requesting from, uh, from contractors is that uh, as per the expectation of the compact that at least 30% of the people, of the laborers, of the workers that are going to hire are coming from the, uh, I mean, the, the, the youth and, uh, and, 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 and from uh, also from, from, from women. So uh, those are basically what we are pushing forward uh, to make sure that at the end of the day also we're going to play our part, that is being uh, giving a chance, giving opportunities to the youth to get a job, they're usually their first job, but we also make sure that we, I mean, we provide to them through training, mentoring, the most needed skills so that they can have a chance to get a job and uh, to continue their career in, uh, in, the, in the energy sector. Well, this has all been really great. I really appreciate you all taking the time today to not just, uh, you know, educate and inform uh, all the folks who listen to the podcast, but um, I want to give you a second as we close to give any advice that you might have to other MCAs because, um, you know, MCC has about $1.8 billion that we've uh, actually in just this year alone um, secured for doing work all over the world. So 
curious as we close if you have any advice on, on inclusion and gender or otherwise for your MCA counterparts. So MCA counterpart advice, Malika. Thank you. Um, my experience with two compacts is that it is women and youth are best served when there is someone to hold that light in the whole compact, but at the highest level of hierarchy. So if the CEO appoints a director or director general, or, but it gives it like a, a really high level uh, of, of authority and then have a staff that's consistent plus a budget, that would give a, a huge empowerment and a boost to including all these issues and be taken care of during the compact. And plus uh, also, which is uh, mentioned yesterday by uh, Madame Albright, is to actually include this whole thinking of integrating gender and other uh, like youth or other populations that are marginalized into the whole life cycle of the project since design to uh, implementation and specifically have specific indicators of achievement and impact in the monitoring and evaluation plan because that actually holds everyone um, accountable to the results, not just it's a matter or an issue of the team that deals with that, but every single person in MCA plus the counterparts are going to be uh, held accountable. And of course you have what we call um, condition precedents. Some of the condition precedents, when they're dealt with in terms of changing rules and regulations and laws in the country, that actually makes the implementation really smooth. That's my my take on the on that. Thank you. And for you, Omar. Yeah, Aisha. I mean, uh, uh, my point of view is that first of all, at a very very high level, uh, I mean, uh, overarching level, I believe that a compact has a kind of demonstration effect in the country. Because uh, a compact is touching on a very serious matter for development and uh, inclusion and, uh, and, and gender. Uh, if I look at uh, issues related to corporate governance, issues related to transparency, issues re uh, I mean, related to human capital, I mean, uh, you name it. Uh, for me, as a CEO, you, you have really to, to live up as per the expectation on all those important concepts, making sure that the way compact is managed in terms of uh, seriousness, in terms of uh, transparency, that also should be reflected in the society. So that's why I'm calling it the demonstration effect. Now, if I go now, I mean, uh, deeply on uh, gender and uh, inclusion, uh, for me, uh, as a CEO, uh, you should really be leading the way. Uh, you should be really taking uh, by the arm and making sure that nobody really is, uh, is, is left behind. And uh, for me, it starts uh, by making sure that uh, everybody within the, the compact and outside the compact feel like a gender and inclusion champion. Uh, for me, as a CEO, uh, you, you should really be, uh, I mean, uh, 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 pushing to make sure that whatever you is, you is doing is really the way you want the world, this world to be. So uh, don't be shy, just be the gender and social inclusion champion you want to be and you aspire. That's right. That's great. Well, on that note, I think it's a perfect way to end. Thank you guys both for being here. Um, and thanks to all who have joined us. Thank you, Aisha. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to On Development. We hope you enjoyed this episode. 
we invite you to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you prefer. And to learn more about MCC, please visit www.mcc.gov.